What's up, everyone? It's the love, the jam, the podcast. I'm Chapan, coming to you as always with Rob. How you doing, Rob? I'm doing well. I'm excited for free agency. Really, are you uh, excited? I, I am excited. You know, it's 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 finally here after like eight nine months of speculation. We're three days away. I'm writing up a post tomorrow that is going briefly through all the important dates over the next couple of weeks. And we're literally three days away from when stuff can actually start to happen and just under four days away from legitimate free agency. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm ready for it. Um, the Clippers are going to do something who knows what, but um, I'm glad it's here and I'm very glad all the, you know, the speculation can just be put to rest soon. I think I think I'm also excited for free agency. I'm tired of the end of June. Oh my god, I'm just tired of this week. It's awful. I I haven't read. I've read very very little as far as speculation and whatever scuttlebutt there's been. I'm I'm so tired of just reading rumors and Twitter and oh, it's awful. But I'm excited for free agency. I'm excited for the end of the month and the beginning of July. Lucas, we also have Lucas Hahn with us from Clips Nation fame. You may have heard of him. How are you doing, Lucas? I'm good. I'm good. I'm Unlike Robert, I'm legitimately excited for free agency. Um, no, I, free agency is, is my favorite time of the year, which, you know, that's something that Rob is a little less excited about than I. But yeah, I'm, I'm ready. I've been sitting here the last few days kind of just sitting on my hands waiting for June 30th to roll around. So yeah, the draft is my favorite time of the year, but this year the Clippers only had two late seconds, so I didn't really do that much Clipper-centric stuff, and then they traded up for a first-round pick anyway, so uh, there you go. But no, I mean, I, I am, I'm legitimately excited for free agency. Um, I mean, I think lots of stuff is going to happen. We've already seen lots of stuff happen, um, and I'm excited really for teams more than anything for teams to finally go for it after like three years of not doing anything because they're scared of the Warriors. I think finally teams outside of like the Rockets and then the Raptors last year are really going to make a play uh, to go into championship mode. And I'm very excited to see that. Yeah. I mean, we had this thing, right? Like when the Warriors had that 72 win season and then immediately after the 72 win season, they go out and they add, um, they add Durant and kind of everyone in the league kind of hit pause at that point. Um, but for several years before that, in, you know, the early years of the lobster era, it felt like every summer, every July and every February, right. Free agency and trade deadline was an arms race for the good teams in the West to go get another piece so that they could try to be one of the elite teams in the West. And I feel like this year with the Warriors, you know, their future is uncertain with Durant and Clay Thompson, both in free agents. They, um, they just lost to the Raptors. They, you know, Durant's going to miss all of next season. Thompson's going to miss most of next season. They have less and less depth by the year, especially as they go to all the ages. So I think teams are finally feeling like, hey, we can go, like, it's time to beef up again. So you get, you know, the Rockets trying to, figure out if they can move some money around with a couple of future firsts to go get Jimmy Butler. You get Utah going after Mike Conley. You get potentially Portland going after Kevin Love. And so it's a really, you know, terrifying time to be, you know, sort of a second tier team in the West, but it's a really exciting time to be a Western Conference fan again, because finally all of these 
teams are trying to break into the elite category. Yeah, I, I'm excited, but I'm also just terrified. I'm scared that the Clippers are going to miss Kawhi. And, you know, I'm scared the Clippers are going to miss Kawhi, and really it's not the worst thing because if they miss Kawhi, I have enough faith in the front office that we're probably not just going to throw away money on on some second-tier guy who we give the max to and we're just stuck with him as an anchor on our cap space. And So I, I'm excited for the run for Kawhi and maybe Durant and – and uh, that's all super exciting. I am scared of striking out on them and, you know, having a fun team to root for, but a fun team that right now has the potential to really be a Western Conference challenger and even a title contender. And that's also very exciting. So that potential right now is kind of brewing inside me and I want to keep it. <laughs> we'll really, I really would love Kawhi Leonard. And I have my doubts that he is coming just by being a natural pessimist and just his great situation in Toronto. But of course, I'm also optimistic that he could come to LA just the fact that he's from here and that he, everything seems to be pointing towards the Clippers for now. But that's also kind of a secondary thing to talk about later. Lucas, I think we can start the pod. And I'm sure people have been asking you and you've been taking mailbags. Talk to us a little bit about our cap situation, the contracts we have on the books, the contracts we can give uh, qualifying offers to. I mean, there's a lot to unwrap as far as the cap goes, but we have you here, and I feel like we should kind of talk to it as a primer for any Clipper fan listening that wonders what can we do right now with our cap space as far as the potential for two max spots, who we're going to think about offering qualifying offers to, who we need to waive in order to free up more room, our lottery picks. What does the cap look like right now for Clipper fans? Yeah, sure. I can, I'll do the, the really brief version, I guess, and then we can chat yeah. a little bit more about you know, anything that you guys think is interesting. So the brief version is that the Clippers don't have a lot of money on the books for next year, um, which is good. That, that's what gives them that potential cap space this summer to go add guys. Now, uh, there's this thing called, called a cap hold. So when a player's contract expires, they don't actually go off of the team's books because um, they basically – take up a chunk of your cap space because the league is assuming that you're going to try to re-sign your guys. Now you can tell the league, Hey, we're not going to re-sign this guy by renouncing them. At which point you lose the bird rights on that player. Um, and basically you have to sign them using cap space like you would with any other free agent. So the Clippers right now have several pretty big cap holds for guys like Wilson Chandler and Michael Green and Garrett Temple. Um, and it's safe to say that all three of those are going to get because that's going to save the Clippers upwards of, you know, $45 million in room just from those three guys. So once you get rid of those three cap holds, the Clippers are looking at, at about $43 million in salary cap space, which is enough for a maximum salary contract for a guy like Kawhi Leonard that'll start at around $33 million. So you could potentially give Leonard that contract and have a little bit of money left over. Um, included in that number, that $43 million number, is the Clippers holding on to Patrick Beverly's cap hold, if that's the guy who they'd like to resign. Uh, his cap hold is around $9.5 million. He is going to cost more than that in free agency, so holding on to that smaller number for him and then signing him last works to the team's advantage. I actually have been feeling more in the last week or so as we hear about the level of interest that Beverly's getting around the league, 
that the Clippers are probably not going to keep him, not because they wouldn't like to, but just because he's, he's going to go get paid somewhere and good for him. He deserves it. He's a guy who, you know, relative to his skill level has not made a whole ton of money in his NBA career, something, you know, around like 25 million so far for a guy who's already in his thirties. So good for him. He's going to get more money than he's made his whole career on the contract he signs this summer, but it probably won't be with the Clippers. So once you take Beverly out of the picture, you've got 53 million. There's a couple things that the Clippers can do to inch up from 53 million. Um, they have those qualifying offers that you mentioned for Zubats and Magruder, which are each around 2 million. Um, they've also got non-guaranteed contracts with Darius Thornwell and Tyrone Wallace. You save about $600,000, um, you know, $650,000 if you cut Tyrone Wallace, $750,000 if you cut Sundarius Thornwell. So, you know, a little bit of money here and there. But the reality is if they want that second max slot, which means, you know, $33 million plus $33 million, right? So you're looking at around $66 million in room that you need. They're going to need to move one of the existing contracts they have on their books. The likely candidate would be Danilo Gallinari's expiring $22.6 million deal. So I would look for if the Clippers go out and they get the big guy like Kawhi and Kawhi wants to be paired with another big free agent acquisition, the Clippers have the flexibility to do that, but it will require them moving Gallinari's contract. So we could see Gallinari sent to a team basically for free. Um, and he's a really good player. So, you know, that should be doable for the Clippers to move him on short notice. Um, and then the Clippers signing two big guys, maybe like, a Jimmy Butler and a Kawhi Leonard to play together and then moving forward to fill out the roster from that point. So pretty much a spark note version Clippers have max space and really in order to get two max spaces, Daniel Gallinari is probably the most likely candidate that would need to be moved and seems much likely more likely to be an easier person to be moved. You know, people are clearing space. I wonder what the market is right now for Gallinari. It feels like he's a movable contract at this point as a big expiring. Um, yeah, and it, it really just feels like that's where the Clippers are. There was kind of this, and I think we kind of all shared it, this, this momentum for Gallinari being traded at the trade deadline. Uh, not the trade deadline, at, the, at free agents, at, um, at the draft. Um, I think a lot of people were kind of wondering just – thinking that if the, if the Clippers can move Gallinari's contract, this is a prime spot to move it. Doesn't mean necessarily that he won't get moved, but I kind of wonder, I kind of wonder what the, what the idea of the Clippers right now is over around the idea of signing a max guy like Kawhi and, and just running it back versus pushing to sign Kawhi and move Gallo for, for another max guy and even the likelihood that they could even get another max guy. And I think the guy we're looking at right here is Kevin Durant. You know, I don't know who else we really look at and say they're surefire people. Jimmy Butler is out there. Clay Thompson is likely going to be a warrior. Um, Tobias Harris has been in rumors for the Clippers, which seems kind of unbelievable. Um, Rob, like, so we all know that Kawhi Leonard is our guy. We all know that we want Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. He's the guy that we want. But the idea of that second max spot, let's say Kevin Durant goes to Brooklyn or the New York area. Is there really an idea that we want anyone else? I mean, Butler might be a kind of idea of a person, but 
man. Honestly, if we get Kawhi, we can't get Durant. I'm very much for the idea of running it back, but I wonder if that's how the Clippers feel right now. What do you think about that whole situation, Rob? It's complicated because, as has been well documented, really, there's a clear delineation between the top guys in this free agent class and the rest of the guys. You know, you have a few players you're absolutely comfortable giving max, super max contracts to, and then a bunch where in the right situation, it could work. And I think the Clippers with Kawhi are one of those situations. You know, they won 48 games last year. Let's say they add Kawhi, they lose, maybe they lose Patrick Beverly um, and, you know, some of the other, like Garrett Temple or whatever, but they're able to retain Zubots and Rodney Magruder. You can expect Zubots and Jerome Robinson and Shea and Landry Shamit to take, you know, at least some steps forward here or there. Maybe Montrez Harrell too. Um, you know, add Kawhi to that mix. And that's, I mean, easily a 50-win team, even counting Kawhi missing, you know, 20 games for load management. In a wide-open Western Conference, if you can add another really good player to that mix, all of a sudden you go from maybe like a 52-win team and like a four seed to 56, 57, and a one or two seed and top three or four odds to win the NBA championship. I'm thinking here mostly of Al Horford just because I think he's the guy who's been most connected to the Clippers, the guy who would probably fit the best. Um, Just in terms of the defense, if you could imagine a defense with Kawhi, Al, um, you know, Shea, maybe Pat Beverly. um, You know, there's, there's a lot of length. There's a lot of switchability, a lot of smarts. Al would bring a spacing element that no really good Clippers big man has ever brought. Some of their junkier big men, like, you know, Brian Cooks or Spencer Hawes, um, have been able to shoot threes, but none of their actual... Brian big... Cook was good. Uh... <laughs> Aaron Mullins. Look at, look at the numbers. Look at the numbers. Um, the... <laughs> Al Horford is a good shooter. He's, you know, Lou, man. Sorry. He's a really good passer. <laughs> He's a good defender. I think there is a worry about him aging. He's 33. He's played a lot of minutes. He's been in the NBA for a while. He's had a couple injury issues, but he was still really, really good for the Celtics last year. He has a game that should age pretty well, and you're trying to maximize Kawhi in the next couple years of his prime. So to me, I'd be fine with an Al Horford for a year near max. You know, Mm -hmm. I think it would be risky, certainly, and it could look bad in a couple years, absolutely. But it gives you a really, truly legitimate chance to win a title, and I'd say a better one than Lob City ever had, Uh, just mostly due to how wide open the NBA is right now, but also because the Clippers have a mix of depth, youth, and star power in the Kawhi Al Horford scenario that they absolutely never had in Lob City, where they usually didn't have either youth or depth um, and just had very limited avenues to to cracking the upside of a championship caliber team so you know i'd be an all in favor of that um you know like you mentioned tobias harris i think interestingly he could be a good fit if they get Kawhi. um you know maybe you want to get a little younger and you want to get you know some injury insurance um for Kawhi, and you want to flip gallo and sign tobias harris because tobias is younger and he's less injury prone, 
even though he's not as good as Gallo, I think that could be interesting. Um, you know, there are other names out there like Boyan Bogdanovich, certainly I think could be a good fit next to Kawhi. Definitely not a max level dude, but, no. um, you know, there are lots of players out there who I think if you add them along with Kawhi, you get a championship caliber team or something pretty close to it. Um, which I think, honestly, you know, again, and stuff in terms of luxury tax and all those kinds of extra payments, I'm not sure why fans ever really care about that. You know, if the owner is willing to pay them, then the owner is willing to pay them. You know, Steve Ballmer is incredibly wealthy. He cares a lot about the Clippers. If they need to go into luxury tax for a couple years, I think Steve Ballmer will do it, and I don't see why any fan should care. So, you know, even if Val Horford deal looks bad in three years, if the Clippers win a championship, even if they make a finals and don't win the finals, I think that's worth it for a team that's never made it into the conference finals before. So that's basically my attitude. I think there are players where it isn't quite worth it. Like I'd say Harrison Barnes and Bogdanovich maybe are right around the level of guys where they'd be good and upgrades, but I don't know if they're good enough to be the second or maybe even third best player on a championship team. Almost certainly not second, even with a guy as good as Kawhi. And paying them a significant contract for four years might not get you a championship, and it could really hurt your cap. But for like Tobias Harris, Al Horford, um, he hasn't been linked to the Clippers at all, but like a guy like, you know, Malcolm Brogdon, maybe, you know, you know, it's a risk reward thing, but this Clippers office wants to win a championship. And the only way to do that is to add another max piece around Kawhi, I think. Lucas, what do you think about our secondary options around Kawhi? I mean, Kawhi is a dream, but then after that, who do we, who are we willing to kind of give big deals to? Yeah. I mean, so we've heard, right. Um, you know, I think it's not just stuff that we've heard, but it's something that we've seen is that this Clippers front office is wary of big contracts, right? So they trade the Blake Griffin contract. Um, even before that, they would not give Chris Paul the fifth year on the max deal that he wanted, which is why he ended up wanting to leave and go to, go to Houston, right? Then they move the big Blake contract after that. They moved Tobias before he hits free agency because they didn't think he was going to be worth that big contract. So I think the question more becomes, um, how, like, how does that calculus change when you've got Kawhi in hand already? Or even more so, how does that calculus change when bringing one of those guys in is necessary to get Kawhi? So, because there's one scenario where Kawhi wants to be in LA, he likes what the Clippers are doing, he comes, and he's here, and now you're deciding, okay, now what do we want to put around him? But I think it's probably more likely... Mm-hmm. that if Kawhi shows up to a meeting on July 2nd or whatever it is, he's going to ask the Clippers, if I sign on the dotted line, what else do you have? And the Clippers might need to have something kind of in place. So even if they aren't going to guarantee someone else money and then get stuck with that deal if Kawhi doesn't come, the Clippers may have a phone call with Jimmy Butler where they say, hey, if Kawhi comes, will you take a max deal to come here? So that way when they're talking to Kawhi, they can say that. And Jimmy's a guy, Jimmy's the guy who um, more and more in the last few days, I've kind of has, has been at the, the center of my focus because Jimmy's a guy who we know going back to when he was, you know, trying to get out of Minnesota last fall, 
that the Clippers were a team that he wanted. He wanted to come to the Clippers when he was trying to get out of Minnesota. And, you know, maybe the Clippers, you know, the Clippers maybe made an offer, but it maybe wasn't their best offer. They certainly didn't include a guy like Shea in that offer. So Minnesota ends up sending him to Philadelphia. By all indications, you know, Jimmy may stay in Philadelphia. He may try to figure out a way to get to Houston, although I, I don't see that really materializing with what the Rockets have. But by all indications, Jimmy would still very much like to be a Clipper. Um, and it's the Clippers who, just as with Tobias, are wary about giving max money to a guy who they don't see as a number one. So if Jimmy wants to play with Kawhi, and I think Jimmy would accept being kind of the number two to Kawhi on a very good team in Los Angeles, that's something that I think could really be possible. And I think Jimmy, as a guy who, like, put yourself in Jimmy's shoes, right? Like, Jimmy wants to come to the Clippers. The Clippers don't want to give Jimmy a max. Maybe, uh, you know, they don't want to give Jimmy a max. What do the Clippers want? The Clippers want Kawhi. So if you're Jimmy Butler, like, maybe you think about putting a call in to Kawhi Leonard and, you know, trying to convince him that you two should team up with the, on the Clippers this summer. That might be... Like, that's probably the most surefire way to getting that max contract in L.A. for Jimmy Butler is if he can talk Kawhi into coming with him in that sense. So that, that's a guy who I really have had my eye on um, in the last couple of days. I think that's a really interesting dynamic. I think it's a really interesting combination. Um, and I could see how it would work from, like, a narrative perspective in terms of you know, what Jimmy's going for, what Kawhi is going for, and what the Clippers are going for. Like, it seems like something that could come together. How, how likely do you think it – this is obviously speculative, as if anything here isn't. But how, how likely do you think it is the idea that the Clippers will, will present Kawhi with the idea of, like, hey, we have this guy who will come here if you, if you sign the dotted line. Let's say they have that – a meeting in the beginning of July, and they tell, and they tell Kawhi – that we have this guy in tow? Because I imagine that that's what to do. And are the guys in tow really, is it Horford and is it Butler? I mean, who else could it really be that, that would entice Kawhi to come in over? I know Butler is, we kind of have our eyes on it. Horford is a guy that we've been rumored to be having our, our eyes in. My problem is kind of seeing who else could we really say, hey, this guy that we have as a secondary piece is your guy and is better than, you know, Pascal Siakam or Cal Lowry. This guy is who you can win titles with. And you just, and he's fresh off winning a title. Like Rob, like it's a kind of a loaded question, but it's just tough for me to kind of see now that Davis is gone and it sounds like Kyrie is going to be a net. Not that I really want Kyrie anyways. There just feel like a couple of pieces that we really need to pounce on in order to get Kawhi and then the contingency of having them both here. I mean, what what is the Clippers' end game here? Is it, is it that we need to sign a guy by the time our meeting comes with Kawhi so he knows? Is there going to be a kind of a hush-hush idea that we're going to get this guy and Kawhi will come? Boy, this is just, there's just so many moving pieces. What do you think, Rob? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough. I think timing is, is key. And it's why... You know, I think I agree with Lucas that Pat Beverly is likely gone because the Clippers business is not going to get done within the first couple of days. I know today there's some buzz that the Raptors fans think 
that because the Raptors are releasing this video of Kawhi in it on July 1st, he might sign July 1st. Everything we have heard says he is not making his decision that quickly. And even speaking just as an not Clippers fan, he shouldn't make his decision that quickly. Like, you know, it's a big decision for him, and he should take his time with it and meet all these teams that he wants to meet with. I don't think it'll be done on the first. And I do think some other team will offer Patrick Beverly a very significant offer within the first day or two of agency. Phoenix Suns have been connected with him for months. They are a team that desperately needs a veteran leader and a point guard and almost every single basketball quality that Pat Beverly has they need. He's a very good fit there. I would hate to see him waste away for a garbage organization and a really bad team. But, hey, I want him to get his bag. I think the Chicago Bulls are another team that's been rumored to him. Somewhat better situation, similarly awful front office. Um, I don't think they have quite as much money as the Suns, but I'm, I'm not that familiar with their cap. But one of those two teams, and there might honestly be others, I think the Pacers could be another team, um, will have a fat offer for Pat Beverly on July 1st or 2nd, or even June 30th. And I don't think Pat wants to wait around because he's never been paid. Um, he doesn't want the money to dry up. And other teams will win for him. So that's why I think, you know, Pat Beverly might be gone and the Clippers really can't do anything about it. As for the other moving pieces, I mean, I think Lucas is right in that Kawhi will probably want something outside of what the Clippers already have. The question is what that something is. What exactly caliber of piece does it need to be? Does Kawhi have a specific guy in mind? Um, is he even willing to wait like maybe a year for a different guy to become available? Does he want the Clippers to make a trade for somebody who isn't even, you know, like a free agent? Like does Kawhi love Bradley Beal, for example? You know, I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think the Wizards want to trade him. But I mean, just another example of a guy who's, you know, maybe Kawhi really wants to play with, or maybe it's Kemba Walker who has never been rumored to the Clippers, uh, but is out there. And, like, maybe Kawhi loves Kemba. You just – you don't know. Um, and the timing is just everything. The Clippers have to keep Kawhi on the hook long enough to see what he wants and to see if they can get that something. Um, it's tricky. And that's why being a general manager and being a front office executive in the NBA is really challenging. Um, you know, most people think they can do it or do just as good a job as, you know, whoever it is. It's really tough even outside all the intricacies of the cap and, you know, player relations and all that kind of stuff, like working these kinds of deals takes a lot of finesse. And, you know, I think the Clippers are up to it. I think they're up to the task. All reports are that they're immaculately planned and prepared for this free agency. They were able to retain all their key front office staff, which is huge. Uh, Michael Winger, Trent Redden, Jerry West, everybody. And, you know, I think they're ready for whatever outcome, whether that's, you know, trying to get Jimmy Butler uh, Al Horford, whoever. Um, but as to your thing about Siakam, I think, you know, if Kawhi leaves the Raptors, it won't be because of basketball reasons. I think he could want a Jimmy Butler with him, but he's not going to leave because he thinks another team has a better chance to win than the Raptors. Cause I don't necessarily think there is one. I think you could make an argument that, you know, some of their key guys like Marcus all who opted in today and Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka are old and you know Danny Green who's another key player is also free agent but Pascal Siakam is pretty young he's still really cheap and he's better than I'd say almost any of the other free agents on the market and he's younger and he has way less miles like I'd rather play with him for the next you know four or five years than 
Jimmy Butler, Kemba, Chris Middleton, Al Horford, any of them, except for, you know, Kevin Durant, or maybe, you know, like, maybe uh, Kyrie Irving and, like, possibly Jimmy, but, like, I don't think so. Like, Siakam is really, really good yeah. and, like, cheap and young, like, everything. Um, and Fred Van Vliet is also young and cheap and going to be there for years to come. You know, Toronto's in a really good position, and Masai is probably the best front office exec, no offense to the Clippers, the best single exec in the league right now. Um, and, like, if Kawhi leaves, it's because he wants to live in Los Angeles and wants to be by the beach and be near his family. And the Clippers can certainly offer that. So, you know, ultimately, I wrote about this a few days ago. Nobody really knows what Kawhi and his team want. You know, we've heard, we heard last summer about that he wants to play back home. Back then, it was for the Lakers, but it was just back home. He's, you know, his family's from here. It's hard to see or whatever. Since then, almost everything we've heard, when you ever read any of these other pieces, is speculation from other execs around the NBA um, or from other league sources, which really probably means agents and, you know, maybe scouts or whatever. There's, I don't think I can remember any piece about Kawhi that's been like sources from inside Kawhi's camp or, you know, Uncle Dennis or any of these other people. They have been extremely tight-lipped. So I don't, we don't know anything. It's basically what it is. And I think most really well-connected people have basically admitted as such. I think, you know, on the low post today with, with Woj and Ralph, or it was with Windhorse, I think, both of them who are in the top 10, certainly, of most connected people in the NBA basically said they have no idea what's going to happen with Kawhi. And that's what we've heard from everybody. Um, so really, who knows? And as much as we laugh at the Lakers fans, you know, he's going to take meetings with other teams probably and anything can happen. So. I just, I don't know. Um, you know, I'm excited to see what happens regardless of what that is. Um, but I think it's it's pretty foolish to think that we know what Kawhi will do or even what Kawhi might want from the Clippers, really. I, I don't think we know at all. It's it's very ten- tentative. Everything is just, it's so hard for me to look forward because I, I feel like I have no idea what's going to happen. And yeah, as much as we make fun of the Laker fans, Laker, Lakers exceptionalism is real. They just ran into into Anthony Davis, despite being like the most poorly run organization in the last, well, like seven years. They've been really, really bad, and they just had a lot of mistakes. And they, but now they have Anthony Davis and LeBron James, so you can't even talk them down too much. And it's pure Lakers exceptionalism around their fans and I don't even really want to talk about the Lakers but you can't deny the fact that they might have a meeting with Kawhi and they could probably talk to him and nothing really indicates that he's going to go there but they're still kind of looming and and that kind of sucks and I'm sure it gives a lot of Clipper fans anxiety. Uh, Lucas um, so now that we've talked about the secondary the secondary guys a little bit how would you kind of we kind of have an idea of where what they want to get paid you know, whether it be Jimmy Butler, whether it be Al Horford, Kemba Walker, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, all these guys. Um, let's, I think I'm kind of putting Kevin Durant out of my mind, even though we've been rumored to maybe him seriously thinking about coming to the Clippers. I, I don't really think he is. He could, but I don't really feel like it's realistic. Let's assume we're not getting Durant. How would you kind of rank those secondary guys to Kawhi uh, with 
realization of their likely likely contracts that we would need uh, to get them. Yeah, I think I have a really hard time choosing between, let's say, Jimmy and Al Horford, who mm-hmm. I think would be the top two guys. Um, and it may come down to money, right? So it may come down to how badly does Jimmy want to be here? Will he take a little bit less than the max? You know, is that four-year, $112 million figure that Mark Stein threw out for Al Horford legit? Because if so, um, you know, one of the hopes with a guy like Al Horford would be that the Clippers could swing, you know, around four years, 100 to get Horford and keep Gallinari. Now, if the Clippers have to give more, you know, if they have to start get Horford, you know, $4 million higher, then that means they have to lose Gallinari and go get someone else to replace him. So, you know, that's, that's a really difficult tension for me to figure out. I think Jimmy's probably better in a vacuum. I think Horford would bring stuff to the team that they wouldn't have otherwise in terms of like a big man who can guard the other really good big men in the league and also stay on the floor at other times. Um, so, so that's really tricky for me. I think I, I think I had Jimmy. I think, I think I would go Jimmy over Horford. Um, but maybe, you know, if the money breaks a certain way with Horford, I could be convinced differently. And then after that, there's just not a lot of guys that I'm super interested in at their price points. Um, I actually think that, you know, the Clay Thompson thing, uh, who knows how, how real that is. I mean, it's, it's certainly a leverage play from Thompson, but if the Warriors were to get Durant to come back, they might not offer Thompson that full max, at which point the Clippers, you know, could potentially make sense of the team to swoop in and try and get him. Um, I think that, you know, Tobias Harris is another guy who's probably only using the Clippers cap space as leverage. Um, but if you have Kawhi in hand, Tobias is a guy who might make sense for that second max slot. Um, just as, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think Kawhi happens without another big splash. I don't know that the big splash has to be a max guy, but if your options are get Harrison Barnes for 24 million or get Tobias Harris for 32 million, you know, Tobias might not be fully worth a max on his own, but he might be enough of a tier up that that's the tipping point for Kawhi for, you know, having that big enough second piece next to him. Um, And then after that, I think I would, I would steer clear. Um, after, you know, then, then you're talking really about smaller pieces, who you can get a good deal on. You know, Rob threw out uh, Bogdanovich from Indiana, who's the guy who I think the Clippers will look at. Uh, you know, um, I think there's, the, you know, Miritich is the guy who the Clippers have been kind of linked to at a few different points for the last couple of years. So he's a guy I imagine they might look at if they're looking for maybe that lower tier of guy. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I really think Jimmy and Horford are probably the two most likely, and I would probably go Jimmy if given the choice. What about you, Rob? Uh, from personal bias, I'd probably go Al. Yeah. I just like Al Horford much better than Jimmy Butler. I like him as a personality. I like watching him play better. I think for next year and maybe next year alone, I think he'd probably give – the Clippers a slightly better edge to win. 
Um, I agree. Jimmy Butler is, is probably the better player in a vacuum. Um, I think I completely agree. Those two guys of any semi-realistic name, the Clippers have been tied to those two guys are to your head. Like they're not getting Kyrie or Kemba um, both because uh, mostly just because they're guards and the Clippers. The one thing they don't need is more guards, especially more small guards. I mean, I love Kemba Walker, but Lou Williams is what, like 80, 85% of Kemba already on $8 million a year. You know, you don't need to pay 30 something million again, like, you know, unless Kawhi demands it, in which case, you know, maybe then we see a seismic trade where Lou Williams is shifted somewhere else for a wing. Um, and then you bring in cat, like there are other permutations that could happen, but I think of the realistic guys, I do think it's Jimmy and Al on a tier. Tobias, I think would be really interesting. The thing I'd worry about with him and Kawhi is kind of lack of a playmaking component. Like neither of them is really a great playmaker for others. You know, you would still have Lou and Shay who can do some of that. Um, but that's really where I think you'd miss the steady playmaking of a guy like Pat Beverly, who is so crucial uh, this last year at keeping the Clippers composed in tough situations and just running offense and getting guys decent looks. Um, a really underrated playmaker, I think Pat Beverly is. Um, so I'd probably go Al, Jimmy, and then maybe Tobias, though I, I don't think he's coming back whatsoever. And then after that, like, you know, unless, again, Kawhi demands it, I don't think it's worth paying for the rest of them. Like, Al, Harrison Barnes is going to get a lot of money, and I don't think he's worth that much. Like, he's a perfectly good NBA player. I think he could probably be the third best player, certainly fourth best player on a championship team, but I don't think he's good enough to be the second best. I don't think he's worth it to the Clippers. Um, same with guys like Bogdanovich or Miritich or, you know, DeMarco, just name any of the other, you know, B and C tier guys. Um, so I think those are probably my top three. And I think of all of them, we've probably heard the most smoke about Jimmy Butler having legitimate interest. Um, and then it's just about does, does Kawhi want him and can you get both of them? Uh, but, you know, again, for all my disagreements with Jimmy Butler, I thought he handled the situation in Minnesota last year absolutely horribly. I don't really particularly like watching him play all that much, which is just a personal bias. Uh, but if you add him and Kawhi Leonard to a team that already has Shea, Shamit, Lou Williams, Montrose Harrell, um, you know, maybe you can bring back to Michael Green. Um, you know, maybe you have Ivica Zubats, uh, you have Rodney Magruder, you have Jerome Robinson. I mean, that's a title favorite, I think, unless the Lakers land somebody really big or are way smarter than I think they will be at, at filling up the rest of the roster. I mean, certainly, like, the Bucks will still be up there, too. But, I mean, that team would be stacked, and I think you, you have to go for it uh, if you're the Clippers, as, as much as Butler kind of rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, I think the idea, especially on our pod, uh, the idea has always been that Butler is a no-no unless we need to get him to bring in Kawhi. And I think I pretty much just remain on that vibe. I'm kind of terrified of Jimmy Butler and what he could do to the to the chemistry the Clippers have. And the chemistry has just been oozing from the seams this whole past year. And I'm, I'm worried about that. But I do think if we have somebody like Kawhi Leonard, it'll be a very balancing effect. I also agree. I'm pretty much of the of the aspect that we can get either Horford and Horford's contract is going to be a tough pill to swallow, but if that's what we need to convince Kawhi to come here, I'm okay with it. Or, or even Butler. And I'm, 
I guess I'm all right with getting bringing in Butler just to bring in uh, Kawhi. And after that, honestly, I'm kind of lukewarm on the idea of Harrison Barnes, but I understand the skepticism of him as a second option. Um, I think as a third option, he's perfect. But as a second option, that's probably a little bit above his pay grade. And um, really, honestly, it's it's just really those those two. Tobias is an interesting option, but also as a secondary guy, doesn't really seem like the person. Um, so it's kind of it's kind of tough to say. But really, yeah, Butler and Horford are the people. And if where the smoke right now seems to be towards those two, and gosh, it's just it's just tough. Okay, before we get to Twitter questions, I think we'll just kind of do rapid fire on our free agents, and you can guys can kind of tell me. Uh, we can start with Lucas and maybe go with Rob, and then I'll I'll chime in as far as our guys and maybe some of the big the big names. Uh, we can start with maybe the, some of the Clipper guys that are free agents. Um, okay, we'll start with some easy ones. Wilson Chandler, Lucas, Clipper. It, you know, if you if it turns out that the Clippers need a depth three slash four for the third string for the minimum, maybe. Um, but they just drafted a three and a four, so I'm going with no. Pretty high confidence that Wilson will not be back. Rob? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think so. I think some team will probably bet on him being more as he was with the Sixers anyway, uh, where he was, you know, a decent role player. I think he'll get more than the minimum. I don't think the Clippers will get him more than the minimum. He could, he could be a Lakers guy, I think. He could yeah. be. Well, that would be great. That'd be perfect. Uh, no, also here. Lucas, um, Sindarius Thornwell. I think Sindarius Thornwell will be with the Clippers next year. I think it's possible that they waive him and then re-sign him to a minimum deal. Um, but I do think – I don't. if they waive him, I don't think anyone else is taking him. I think the organization likes him. I think they like his approach, his mentality, the way he, you know, he contributes from the bench even when he's not contributing on the court. Um, but he, you know, he stays ready. He does what he's asked. So he's a guy who I think the Clippers would like to keep in system, even if they have to release him and then re-sign him to a minimum deal at the end of the summer. Rob? Yeah, I'd say if you're just doing more or less likely above 50%, I'd say it's more likely he's on the Clippers next year. Basically agree with everything Luca said. The Clippers really like him. I'd say, honestly, outside of Beverly and Trez, he might be the Clipper who kind of most embodies what they're trying to go for. He's tough. He's competitive. He's always ready. He doesn't complain. No ego. And, yeah, I think they just really like him, even just as a situational player like they used him last year. Um, I think he'll probably be around in some capacity next year. And he's the, long, the longest tenured Clipper, too. Which is oh, what, insane. What but, a trip. Jeez. I agree. Cheap, <laughs> cheap, affordable, specialist doc guy. Doc loves him. Um, definitely feels like a guy we could keep. Tyrone Wallace. Lucas. I think Tyrone Wallace is more likely to not be a Clipper than be a Clipper. Um, I think he's, you know, he probably has a little bit more talent than Thornwell, we would say. But I think when you're talking about someone who's going to be your 14th or 15th man and you look at the complete picture – I think Sindarius is the guy the Clippers would rather have around. Um, and I think if they end up cutting one, they're going to end up cutting both. And then they're going to bring Sindarius back on a minimum deal. If for some reason they only need to cut one, I think they would cut, Kai, cut Ty over Sindarius um, just with where the team is at at this point. I guess it could go either way. I would say more likely to not come back than to come back. Rob, this is a touchy situation for you. Yeah. Hi, Wallace. 
I have long, long-standing roots on Ty Wallace Island. Uh, <laughs> I'll be carrying my beachfront property wherever Ty Wallace lands next year. Um, I'd say, I'd say more likely than not, he's probably not a Clipper. I agree. The Clippers, I think, like Sundarius better. Um, I completely agree. Ty Wallace is more talented. I think he's a more yep. useful NBA player. I think he has more upside to be a better NBA player than Sundarius Thornwell. Uh, the ball handling alone really separates them. Um, Sundarius is probably a slightly better defender, but I, I like Ty Wallace's offensive game much more because he can at least bring something that's the table. Sundarius Thornwell right now, like I love the guy. He has no quality in, as an NBA player on the offensive end of the court. Um, I'd say Ty is probably not a Clipper next year, but I actually do think another team would sign him. I know the Pelicans. Yeah, really, I do too. Um, I think some team will take a shot on him. Uh, not necessarily for how good he was last year, but for the 30 games he played his rookie season um, and just guys with his type of ability to get into the paint, um, not necessarily finish and, and just the pace that he plays at. I think, I think a team will, will pick him up. I think he'll be in the NBA next year, just not with the Clippers. Yeah. I, uh, I sadly still agree with you guys. Um, Just not a doc guy. And doc has kind of disparaged him even like, defensively even though he's one of our better like wing defenders and uh, unfortunately i just don't think he'll have a role that sucks because I, I like ty walls too i think he's better than thornwell as well but uh just probably not going to be a clipper garrett temple lucas not a clipper um i think it's just you know, the clippers have enough names at those positions like i think with you know with rodney magruder like i don't think there's a reason to keep Garrett Temple when you have Roddy McCruder. I think Temple, like Chandler, is another guy who could very well end up being a Lakers guy because the Lakers are going to, the Lakers are going to be high on the list for a lot of these guys like Chandler and Temple because they get to say, hey, we have LeBron, we have AD, you know, whatever else they do there with their money. Maybe they get one player for twenty something million, or maybe they split it among three. But either way, they've got a ton of rotation minutes to give out on minimum deals. So hey, you get to come play with LeBron and AD on, you know, a presumably championship contending team and you get to get minutes, like that's the ring chaser's dream. So I think they'll get guys to go there, but I think Temple is the guy who's probably gone from the Clippers. Rob. Agreed. Not going to say anything else. <laughs> yeah, great. Pretty much. I don't think he's coming back. Um, all right. Maybe a little more questionable ones. Jamichael Green, Lucas. Jamichael's a really interesting one for me because I personally – cannot get any gauge whatsoever on what his market is going to be. You know, he's a guy who it seemed like for years in Memphis, uh, you know, was kind of undervalued. The Grizzlies kind of liked him, but they were also, you know, with the Connolly Gasol teams, they were always seeing like, well, green is maybe the guy who we could move, who could have value that we could try to get another player in here. So they were always shopping him. They were never getting anyone really interested in him. You know, he ends up being part of the Avery Bradley salary dump. Um, and then he comes in and plays an amazing 30 games with the Clippers, is a big part of their playoff rotation, starting at the five for them, guarding Kevin Durant. Uh, and so it's really hard. Like, I, can, I could see someone, um, you know, giving him a, a really moderate, like, three-year, $30 million deal to be this kind of rotation four-slash-five guy. I could see him falling through the cracks and ending up being kind of a cheap one-year deal guy at the end of the summer. I wouldn't be altogether surprised if he kind of gets – Jeff Greened away from the Clippers. Or if you recall, the Clippers, the Clippers planned on re-signing Jeff Green that summer after they traded for him. But they had 
figure things to sort out first. And on the opening night of free agency, Orlando offered Jeff Green a one-year $15 million contract, and he took the money. And I could see someone call – with all the cap space in the league this year, I could see someone calling Jermichael Green on the first night and saying, we'll give you one-year 15. Uh, and, I, you know, that's money that he should probably take at this point in his career. So it, Jermichael could be anywhere for me. I would still hedge towards less likely to come back than to come back just because I think the Clippers use the cap space they have on bigger splashes. But I do think there's several scenarios where he becomes an option for them. Rob. I hate to keep agreeing. I'd probably lean towards him not being Clipper either. Yeah, me too. Jeez. Which would make (laughs) me sad because I I really like him. I've actually liked him for years. Um, But yeah, I completely agree. I think their teams, uh, again, a couple of teams who actually might've been at the trade market for Gallo, could also be in the market sign green mm-hmm. as a starter, as a backup. I think Indiana, for example, because it looks like they might let Bad Young walk. I think green yeah. would be a good guy there. I think it looks like Utah is moving on from Derek Favors. I think green would fit in much better as a floor spacer next to Gobert. Um, you know, a lineup with Conley, Mitchell, Ingles, Green, Gobert might be the best in the Western Conference next year. Uh, certainly would be extremely well-balanced on both ends. Um, yeah, I could see a couple contenders paying him a lot of money because it might have been a fluke, but goddamn, he was really good. He was great <laughs> last year. Yeah. Uh, like, really, really good. Uh, and yeah, I mean, like, again, for a lot of these guys, like, he came into the league late. He's never made a lot of money. I hope he gets his money. Like, really, that's what it comes down to. If some team pays him $30 million, like, you know, good luck to him. <laughs> uh, you know, He's going to like triple his earnings in, in one year or whatever. And, you know, I, I hope he does well, but I'd lean towards him not coming back. Yeah, he's gone. I'd be, I'd be surprised if we keep him pretty, pretty much. I think, I think someone is going to give him a two year, like a two year, $32 million deal or something along those lines. And that's just going to be too much for us. I, I would be surprised if he comes back. I loved him. I thought he was really good. There's, Even if, you go ahead. I was just, there's, I, there's a lot of guys in that tier of power forwards this summer, which is why I could see, I think someone slips through the cracks at power forward this summer, right? Because you've got Jermichael Green, but you've also got like a Taj Gibson, a Miritich, a Bogdanovich, a Thad Young, a Marcus Morris. You know, I'm, I'm going off the top of my head right now. I'm not even looking at a list and I'm saying all these names. So I think that there's a lot of guys in that tier out there and Jermichael, I'm fully with you guys on how good he was in that stretch with the Clippers last year and getting better and better until being so good in the playoffs for them. But I really wonder if you're a team like Utah and you have this team that you think is in a position to win now, do you really rate Jermichael Green as a starter on an elite team? I just, I don't, I'm not sure that the perception around the league is that he's quite ready for that um, or that he's quite good enough for that. I think he might still be seen as a backup or maybe as a starter on a lower tier team. So especially when there's a guy like Marcus Morris available, uh, like if, you know, I just feel like around the league, people are going to take Marcus Morris over Jermichael Green nine out of 10 times uh, because we've seen Marcus be a starter on a good Boston team. So Someone's going to slip through the cracks. It could be Jermichael Green. There's a lot of guys in that in that range. I think at that like 
fringe starter four spot this summer. Julius Randle is another name in that range too, I think. Ivica Zubat, Lucas. I think he's a clipper. Um, that you know they have bird rights, they have them restricted, and I think no matter what they do, uh, might not be the starter next year. If they get Al Horford, he Zubats may not start, but they're going to load manage Al Horford, so Zubats is still going to get plenty of minutes, and he'll get you know maybe fifteen or twenty starts while Horford is resting. Again, for what he costs them in terms of one point nine million qualifying offer, and what his contract is going to be, where I don't think it'll be more than, you know, four to six million a year. He's a guy I think they almost certainly should keep around. Rob. I think probably just to be contrarian more than anything. Nice. I'm going to disagree. I don't think he will be. Um, I do think they like him a lot. I think at least part, (laughs) this is hilarious. And it might be too petty of the Clippers. I think part of why they talked him up so much was just to rub it in the Lakers (laughs) face. Um, and, like, I think the deal, even if they don't re-sign him, the deal was still worth it. Like, I don't know if they make that playoff push without that deal. Um, you know, I think there's a very good chance he re-signs. But I think there's a decent chance he doesn't either, whether it's because they get Al Horford and, you know, maybe some other team really likes Zubats and the Clippers don't want to match a deal for a third-string center. Um, you know, maybe they're worried about his ability to finish on offense, you know, outside of that hand injury. Uh, maybe they're just, you know, worried about that. And realistically, I think there's probably a pretty good chance he comes back, but I'm just going to disagree just for the sake of disagreeing. Nice. I'm proud of you, Rob. <laughs> uh, I'm going to agree with Lucas. I, I think we keep him. <laughs> I, I think Trez prices out of us next year, next summer. So I think it's even more reason to keep Zubat. And uh, especially since he'll probably be cheap. If we can keep him cheap for three years, say we keep Horford, uh, we get Horford. Even if we don't get Horford, but we can get Zubat cheap right now for three years. It's a nice little contingency plan. Even if he backs up Horford, or even as a spot starter, if we don't get Horford, I kind of like just the idea that we can maybe get him for multiple years on a cheap deal since he didn't quite impress in the playoffs, despite being a very efficient kind of guy as a starter, um, despite you know his limited minutes at the end of the regular season. I think we keep him. He's just a nice cheap option, can start, can come off the bench, doesn't seem like he'll complain too much. Doc Doc was talking him up, yeah, because the Lakers are stupid. But also, he he's he's a nice player. I I think he has some some interesting um, fundamentals about him, <laughs> for lack of a better word. And you know, hopefully his maybe his hands heal and he's better at catching balls. <laughs> but uh, I, I think we I think we keep him. He just seems like a, a reasonable option to have, regardless of the situation, almost. Okay, that's him. Um, up next, let's see. Um, yeah, we might as well just go Patrick Beverly. I think we'll all kind of agree on this too. Lucas. Yeah, I think, I think we mentioned this earlier. Um, I love Patrick Beverly. I have been a huge Patrick Beverly fan since before he even came to the Clippers. I think the Clippers are huge Patrick Beverly fans. I think Patrick Beverly is a huge fan of this Clippers organization and what they're doing right now. I think Patrick Beverly is going to make a heck of a lot more money somewhere else than the Clippers can even try to rationalize to spend on him and I think he will go and take that money and I think the Clippers will you know be sad to see him go but be happy for him that that he's gonna you know go secure his financial future um I I think he is very very unlikely to return Rob 
Yeah, I think he's the guy who shifted the most in the past two months. The market has played uh-huh. perfectly into his favor. Um, you know, we're seeing stuff as high as like 14 or 15 million. There's just no way on earth the Clippers are paying for that unless they strike out on everybody and, you know, think maybe, you know, keeping him is the key to a culture which can bring guys in over the next couple of years. Um, but one way or another, I don't think that's going to happen just because, again, like even if they do strike out, it'll probably be by the time he's already signed somewhere else. I think he's going to go somewhere else. I think he loves the Clippers. I think they love him. Um, I honestly would not be shocked if he got like some kind of video tribute next year, which would be might be the lowest number of games played <laughs> ever for a franchise, for especially for an all-star to get a video tribute. Uh, but he might get one next year, and he's probably <laughs> – he deserves it. Um, and he'll, I'm sure he'll get I a – I mean, Austin tribute. got one, so – yeah, Austin Powell. So I think Pat will get one, but yeah, I think it will be for another team. Really, I hope he makes a ton of money. You know, I think that's absolutely the best decision for him. Um, you know, I hope he gets cheered whenever he comes back to Clippers games. I hope he lands in a spot that's good for him. I really don't want it to be the Suns. Like Chicago will be, they'll be going back home for him. They're such a bad organization, but they'd still have more hope than the Suns. Really, I hope he finds his way to like a good team, good organization. The Mavs might be fun if he can if he can land there. I hate Mark Cuban so much, but he would be really fun on that <laughs> it'd be, team. It'd be a fun team, and he's perfect for what they need. But yeah, perfect. Yeah, um, unlike very unlikely to be a Clipper next year. Yeah, I, he's gone. Uh, I was at graduation for a bunch of our third years today, and uh, one of the husbands of one of the third years saw me and knows I do a Clippers podcast, and he said, "Fuck Patrick Beverly." <laughs> And I was like, I love him, oh. but 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 he's probably gone. I was like, are you a, are you a OKC fan? He's like, no, he's just dirty. I don't like him. And I forget. I've been so entrenched in how much I love Patrick Beverly. I forget that so many people really dislike him and think of him as dirty. One of my buddies who who is an Oklahoma City fan and a Russell Westbrook fan really just loathes him. And I've forgotten all of this because I love it's it. It's so cliche, but like he's the exact definition of the guy right. that, like, you know, if he's on other teams, you don't like him. If he's on your team, you love him. And then if he is on your team, even if he goes somewhere else, you still love him. Like Houston Rockets fans to this day come on Clips Nation and say how much they love Pat Beverly or comment about him. I'm sure Clippers fans will be the exact same. I don't know many who will turn on him unless he like cripples Shea or something. Like you need to do something. How sad would that be? Oh my God. I don't even want to think about it. Nobody would be sadder than Pat Beverly. Yeah, he would. I will say that. Um, Yeah, he's not going to (laughs) be. Pat Beverly did make it a a habit of walking up to like every injured player that that fell on the court this year. No, he's a great guy. Yep. Uh, Danilo Gallinari. um, Lucas. I'm going with like more likely to be gone than be here uh, because I think that I, yeah, I think, I think this, this is maybe the closest one yet um, because I think the Clippers don't get Kawhi and keep Gallo. I think that that's very unlikely that Kawhi and Gallo are together on the Clippers next year. And I do think that the Clippers get Kawhi. So I'm going to go with Gallo's probably gone. And I think it may even be that, you know, we talk about teams maybe absorbing Gallo's contract, but also teams wanting to see what they can get in free agency. It may very well be that Gallo's trade value is a lot higher on like July 5th than it is on July 1st, just because July 1st, that cap space could turn into a whole lot of great things. 
And by July 5th, one year of Gallinari and then having cap space again might look a lot better than some of the other options out there. Uh, but yeah, I would say more likely to be gone than to stay for Gallo. Feels very tied to our Kawhi Leonard optimism. Rob, what do you think about Gallo? This one, I think I legitimately will disagree. Uh, I think he will be a Clipper next year. I do think it's really close. It would not surprise me if he was gone. I think the fact that he's under contract and is really good just makes him more likely to be a Clipper next year. Um, But I think, interestingly, I think he could be gone either to clear space for a better guy or if the Clippers strike out hard and they want to repivot and the market is great for him, I think he could be traded just for assets. You know, again, like, if he can get you a decent first-round pick next year, and maybe like, you know, a middling prospect even on, you know, to match salaries or whatever. Like, I think the Clippers should do that if they don't get any big free agents this year, whether it's this summer um, or maybe like right before the start of training camp. Like, you know, maybe a guy gets, fingers crossed, obviously, but like, you know, maybe some guy gets injured in international play and all of a sudden the team needs to scramble uh, to put in a missing piece. I think Gallo could get moved, but I'm going to say, he will be a Clipper this season, but I think one way or another, I think he might be gone uh, before the trade deadline. I agree, I agree with Rob. I think he's going to be a Clipper to start next season, but I think he's going to be he's going to be dangled like crazy for a, any deal. And I still I don't think we get Kawhi because I'm a pessimist more so than anything. So I'm going to say if we don't get Kawhi, we keep Gallo, and he's just dangled in trade offers through until the deadline and probably gets flipped before the deadline next year. Okay, up next, uh, we have, let's go with Jimmy Butler. Um, Lucas. I mean, so if we're saying, is Jimmy more like, like more likely to be a Clipper or not be a Clipper? He's more likely to not be a Clipper um, just by nature of all of the different possibilities that are out there. I think if we're saying who is the most likely Kawhi sidekick, I think Jimmy is probably the most likely Kawhi sidekick um, where from where I'm sitting right now, that checks out to me that Jimmy would be the most likely Kawhi sidekick, Kawhi sidekick. Rob, I think he's a six there next year. I think in the end, they're going to offer him a five year. I think it's five year, 190 million. I think they're going to offer him the full max five years. I think he's going to take it. I think he'd be an idiot not to take it. Frankly, and, um, like, the Sixers were one bounce away from being potentially in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Milwaukee team that obviously is, is probably at least one year away uh, from being ready for that stage. They were really, really, really good um, the second half of the year after the Tobias Harris trade. I think he stays in Philly. But I agree with Lucas. Of the non – actually, I'd say Al Horford might be slightly more likely uh, than Jimmy Butler as the Kawhi sidekick. Uh, but he's he's up there 1B uh, to Alice most likely. But I think he's a sixer next year. Yeah, it's weird because I thought at the beginning of the playoffs that Tobias was probably more likely to re-sign if I had to pick one of the two with the Sixers. But after what he did in the playoffs, you know, you'd have to say they, they kind of lean towards Butler. So I, I also think Butler is a, a sixer. So I'm going to lean towards no. I, I also think that Horford is maybe more likely to be uh, the Kawhi sidekick. Um, but I'm going to say no for Jimmy Butler. Al Horford, Lucas. Yeah, I mean, so I think Al Horford is slightly less likely to be the Kawhi sidekick than Jimmy Butler. Um, 
it also, the more that trickles out about Horford, the less it sounds like the Clippers would be a fit. But I'm taking everything that, everything that is coming out now about Horford, I'm taking with a massive grain of salt because when the first thing came out saying, oh, he's got this four-year, $100 million offer somewhere, so he stopped negotiating with the Celtics. Well, guess what? Whoever told Al Horford, we'll give you four years, $100 million on June 19th, if he goes there on June 30th, the Celtics are making a call to the league, and that team is going to get cracked down on for tampering, um, yeah. for letting Horford know that, that they were going to give him this offer you know, two weeks ahead of time. So everything that's coming out now could be a misdirection, right? Like, it's, you know, it's very possible that whatever team Al Horford ends up going to has him take a couple of extra meetings or wait on his decision for a couple of days just to throw off the scent a little bit, um, if you will. So, so it's hard to gauge, but I would say with the money that, that he's supposedly looking for, if it's going to be 4 the Clippers have to get rid of Gallo anyway. If you're going to get rid of Gallo, I'd probably go Jimmy. Jimmy's several years younger. I think Jimmy might have a little more clout to try to pull Kawhi here. Um, so yeah, I, I would put Horford as slightly, as, as less likely to be the Kawhi sidekick than Jimmy, but still very much a possibility. Rob. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, I think if you take the fact that there are 29 other options, I mean, technically 28, cause it seems unlikely he goes to the Celtics. Uh, and obviously, I mean, some of those teams don't have cap space, but uh, whatever, it's less likely than not that he's a Clipper next year. I think, he, like I said, he's probably the most likely Kawhi sidekick. Um, I do think like the Mavs, I think, might be this false trail. I'm not sure why that would be a fit. He's much older than their two other key players in Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis. Um, the timelines don't really fit. I don't know if the culture really fits. He seems more like a Clippers guy than a Mavs guy to me. Um, and the Pelicans apparently are not the team. I don't know who it could be. Uh, teams, people are trying not to throw out completely meaningless spe- speculation, uh, but the Clippers haven't mentioned, I don't know, but I'd say more likely than not, he's probably not a Clipper next year. Yeah, I agree. Probably not a Clipper. Of course, it's easy to say because there's so many possible suitors. Not so many, but a few. But yeah, I agree. Probably not a Clipper. Kawhi Leonard, Lucas. Lucas? Silence. Hmm. Is he Sorry, I, have, I, I mute myself between turns and I forgot to unclick the mute button. Oh, that's fine. Um, yeah, I'm, oh, I'm, yeah. about, <laughs> I'm, about, I'm about where I was the last time we talked. I, I'm, a, I'm at around 80% on Kawhi still. Man, okay. <laughs> Rob? I will lean ever, slow, ever so slightly to him coming to the Clippers. I'll say like... Oh, my God! <laughs> um... From what I understand, the Clippers are still fairly confident about this. They could be completely wrong, uh, but I think they are still more confident than not. And if they feel that way, I'll feel that way. I don't feel good about it at all, though. (laughs) I'll I'll probably change my mind in like 30 seconds. But right now, I'd say like 52 to the Clippers and 48 to the Raptors. I am your – I am – I will just quit. I am your mind 30 seconds from now. I, I don't think he comes. I, I can't. I just can't. I can't have good things. I, I just – he just won a championship. I understand L.A. It's where he's from. It's where his family is. He has a huge house in San Diego. 
not in LA in San Diego, right? Like not in this area. I think it was like two hours from LA. If you're lucky. Um, it's, it's, uh, I still, I still just don't think he's coming. And even I don't think a one in one is rational either, considering he has this degenerative quad issue. And if you don't think a one in one is rational, you would, it seems unreasonable that he would sign a very long deal in Toronto, like a four or five or five year deal to stay with the Raptors because he's just, he's wanted to come to LA. He's like started his conversation talking about reminiscing his Kyle Lowry conversation that, you know, I know you lost your best friend and this isn't really where I want to be. You know, it's, he said it like it's, he's on record for saying that it's not the place he wanted to go, but he just won a title it's just unprecedented that somebody would leave a tight, a champion, but if anyone would, it would be Kawhi. So there's a lot of smoke uh, going towards the Clippers, but I just can't, I have to see it. Like, I, I think just... the smoke is all blowing towards the Raptors right now. Sure. Sure. Um, but I think your point about the one and one is the best point. I think he might really trust Alec, McKe- Alex McKechnie, who's the director of science or health science, whatever his title is for the Raptors the guy who basically devised the load management system. But I think the Durant and Clay injuries should show just how risky any kind of short-term deal can be. Mm-hmm. And with that in mind, I think that if Kawhi wants to play with the Clippers and wants to be at his best, or not with the Clippers, just in L.A., I think that sways it more to that area. I mean, I, I just can't see him risking the one-and-one but again, you know, swinging the other way is the fact that Kevin Durant just tore his Achilles, which is like the worst basketball injury that's, you know, even semi-realistic. And yet he is probably going to get a max deal this summer anyway. Um, so, you know, maybe it doesn't matter for the very top level of guys. But I think that is probably actually the argument that would sway me more towards the Clippers than anything. Right. Right. Uh, it's a, it's so. a very it's a very valid argument, too. And. Enough to make you think maybe he can be a clipper, but still, I just it's just tough for me to see it until I see it on paper. Um, and I think that'll do it. Uh, that's a quite a bit that we we just ran through. I think we can get to Twitter questions really quick too. Yeah, uh, we have a bunch, so I might skip you. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, here we go. So the first question is from at Don's Clips Pat's. Not that he's an a free agent, but if Bev walks, what would you offer Boston for Smart? That's Marcus Smart. Uh, I don't think the Celtics are trading Marcus Smart. I don't think they trade him for anything on the Clippers, short of like Shea Gilgis Alexander. And the Clippers are not trading Shea Gilgis Gilgis Alexander. So I I don't think they're trading for Marcus Smart. Though as I love Marcus Smart, but no. Yeah, I mean, I think the reason why the Clippers likely let a guy like Patrick Beverly walk would be because you already have Shea, you already have Landry, you already have Lou Williams. You've got Rodney McGruder who can slide over to the two. Maybe you go get Jimmy Butler who might start at the two for you next year. Um, You've got Jerome Robinson, who's a combo guard who you picked in the lottery last year. The Clippers have guards. So that's not a position. That's not an area of the roster where they're looking to invest additional resources. What they need is, better top-end talent, and forward depth. Smart doesn't really answer either of those questions for you. I don't think he's the guy the Clippers would really necessarily target at all. And like you said, from Boston's perspective, he's the guy who I think they would really like to hold on to. Yeah, just not, just not an area of, of need. I, I agree with you guys. Yeah. Next question from Mitchell Robles. 
how much does all this free agency chatter bug you guys? Worst takes on Clips free agency that you've heard? Uh, I don't know if it bugs me. I mean, I think sometimes some of the really dumb takes bug me, but that's true of anything, not just free agency. I think the worst takes that have developed have been from the Lakers Infowars uh, section lately, which is that Steve Ballmer is paying everybody oh my God. to cover the Clippers more positively, which is really just one of the more absurd things I've heard. Uh, that's probably the worst top take. I, I just, I just can't deal with it. Yeah, Lucas. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, that, that is like truly its own level of ridiculousness and it probably speaks to, you know, to an extent to like the political moment that we're in as well, where that's just like the knee jerk reaction, right? You're like, no, my team must be perfect because I, I like them. Uh, which is again, the reaction we see in, in other spheres right now in American life, which is like, oh no, my, my political party or my politician must be perfect um, because I like them. So therefore the media must be lying, right? Like there's no, there's no room for nuance. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think what's more annoying to me is like these people who pretend like they're reporting things that really is just like, any, you know, like uh, when, when Kawhi opted out of his player option and you have people, you know, um, Woj reports that Kawhi has opted out of his player option because Kawhi filed the paperwork. So Woj is reporting that the paperwork was, fi- was filed. Of course, everyone has known that Kawhi is opting out for forever since, since, before he even got to Toronto, we knew he was going to decline his option um, this June. But then you have people like, well, I said he was declining it four days before Woj did. It's like, yeah, everyone knew it, but you don't know anyone. Like Woj reported it when he filed the paperwork. Um, but people are really eager for their, you know, to get a couple hundred retweets and try to get like, you know, a blue check mark or something. I don't know. Um, so that stuff kind of yeah, NBA Twitter is awful right now, and it bugs me. Like, I, I can't, like, I can't, I can't put Kawhi into like a Twitter search and and not be bugged. It's just super frustrating. I really don't want to read anything on the internet this week about Kawhi Leonard because I feel like we, none of nobody knows anything, and what's the point? It's just it's frustrating. The idea that Woj is like is like Clippers Illuminati or like is being is con- is influenced by the Clippers, is getting paid by a bomber, is a Lakers hater. This is the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Like, it's so stupid. The idea that this guy who is the most connected guy, the most connected journalist, like, in the league, is just getting paid under the table or has his high biases. And granted, every journalist has biases, but this guy has biases based on what he's hearing and, like, he's the most trusted guy like reporting on NBA basketball in the country. So it's, that is really dumb. And people just kind of slandering him is really, really stupid to me. I I think it's also, it's a fundamental misreading of how like modern journalism and reporting works, which is that favors are done, um, you know, but it's not, you know, at least you wouldn't think it's done for like cash bribes or stuff. You know, agents will definitely (laughs) tell reporters absolutely yeah yeah um all the time you know and there are hit pieces on guys sometimes whether it's from a team source or an agent or whatever like this kind of stuff happens but it's not like an nba owner is paying an nba reporter you know whatever amount of money to do it you know an agent might tell you know not Kawhi obviously because it's different but like tobias harris's agent might have told shams today 
like, hey, like, I want you to link, you know, Tobias to the Clippers. Like, you know, he has interest. Whether he means that or right. not, you know, that legitimately could be possible. But, you know, the other stuff is just not how this stuff works. Right. Like, Daryl Morey told Zach Lowe to say that there's no Chris Paul, like – mutiny or anything going on and Zach and Lowe to put it on Twitter yeah right exactly and that's absolutely for a reason we don't know if Chris Paul is causing a riot in the in the Rockets locker room but Maury absolutely did it to extinguish that and like that's just Zach Lowe reporting what he was heard now whether that is for like a certain gain for Maury obviously it's to shut everybody up through a trusted reporter that there is nothing going wrong in the Rockets locker room, but that doesn't mean that there is, you know, it's just like, Woj is just communicating what he's been hearing. The idea that he's just trying to manipulate, (laughs) I can't even finish the sentence. It's so stupid. Like, stop it. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I almost, I almost want to lean into it and just be like, Man, our front office is so smart. Like, why did no one else think of this? Like, look at all the good press the Clippers are getting. Like, this is such a good return on investment. Like, Man, if, if the Lakers – maybe if the Bus family wasn't broke, they'd be doing it too. Like, yeah, I, I want to lean into it a little bit. I think it's great. Can you imagine if Kawhi Leonard – like, I don't think he will sign with us, but if did, how much just, like, shit Woj will get from Laker fans for the rest of his life? Oh, it's, my God. Oh, yeah. my God. That would be really bad. It would be it bad would... for so – like, so many reasons it would be the worst thing. I yeah. might actually I'm glad that it's it. not happening. Thank goodness, please. Yeah. Um <laughs> Uh, next question from Fresh Prince of LA. Uh, if the Clippers strike on this year's free agent class and shift their attention to 2021, uh, which this is not in the question, but that was the original goal, uh, which stars do you think the Clippers would be able to sign from that class, if any at all? Off the top of my head, I, I don't know. I think Paul George might be in 2021. Uh, I think eventually he'll play in Los Angeles, but I, I honestly don't know any off the top of my head. I do think that is supposed to be a pretty good one. I know next year's is awful. Like, right now, I think Draymond Green is a headliner. And, like, I don't even know after him who the next guy is. But I, I don't know. I don't know if you guys have anybody either. Yeah, well, that's – 2021 is the Giannis year, which is the big one. Although uh, we don't have any indication that, that he wouldn't just stay in Milwaukee. Um, but Giannis, Paul George, Bradley Beal, you know, there's some names there. Uh, I think it's more about – it's not – I don't think you say – all right, we're going for Giannis in 2021. I think what you do is you stay flexible, you stay competitive, you keep the culture going, and you put yourself in a position that, you know, we've, we've seen in recent years, right? I don't know how far ahead of time you could have predicted Paul George wanting to force his way out of Indiana, but it happened and he was on the market and he was available for teams to go get. I don't know how far ahead of time you could have predicted Kawhi Leonard forcing his way out of San Antonio or Anthony Davis forcing his way out of New Orleans. But these things happened. These players became available. Teams came in and made offers to get them. And so the Clippers, you know, you stay flexible both for free agents and for, you know, I think Bradley Beal might not be a guy that the Wizards are looking to trade this summer, but I think Bradley Beal in Washington might sort of just be like a ticking clock to when they decide it's time to move him in advance of that 2021 free agency with pretty much no prospects to build a team around him due to that John Wall contract. So that's a guy who might become available over the next two years. Um, and you can try to make a deal at that point. So it's about staying flexible and putting yourself in a position to get whoever becomes available either in the summer of 2021 or in the meantime. 
Yeah, I think my idea, I think that 2021 is going to be Giannis and LeBron and, and George. And I think Lillard maybe might be a free agent. Yeah, then too. And there, there's, there's a handful of people and that'd be great. That's in the future. My biggest idea is that if the Clippers strike out, like Lucas is mentioning, to just keep their assets, kind of like what Maury did with the Rockets when James Harden became available, though never bring James Harden on my team ever, please God, no. Um, <laughs> I would, I would, uh, I would imagine, you know, we have the Miami pick, we have, a, we have, now we don't have the Philly pick anymore, but we have all these assets, like, we're just kind of keeping available, so if somebody like Kyrie Irving, uh, you know, a Kyrie Irving type, or, you know, um, the way that James Harden was available, Kyrie Irving was available, that we can strike. And we're probably not at the top of the treasure chest anymore with New Orleans, the ridiculous amount of picks now. But we're still high up there. We still have assets. We can still flip them if if a superstar becomes disgruntled like Kawhi Leonard did. So um, that's probably what I'm looking forward to more than just thinking we're keeping a bunch of space, which we will for 2021, I'm hoping that maybe we can find a guy in the meantime, but 2021 class is I great, mean, but it's just like kind of far for me to think about really. Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned James Harden. You say, please don't ever put James Harden on my team, but <laughs> right. I could, I, I, I can totally see oh, God, a timeline. Don't, don't talk about it. I can this. totally see. And I've, I've, I actually talked about this, you know, with, with someone else the other day. Um, I can totally see a timeline where the Rockets, struggle again they have setbacks you know there's a new owner the new owner seems you know a little bit wacky who knows if the Rockets keep not succeeding and they're not able to move that Chris Paul contract which you know the report was that they called the Knicks and said take Chris Paul into your cap space for nothing and the Knicks said no Uh, the Knicks said no to that so like (laughs) if, if they're having that hard of a time moving the Chris Paul deal and the owner gets impatient and Harden is, you know, on the wrong side of 30. I don't, I think it's a later rather than sooner scenario, but I could see Harden being out in Houston before Chris is just because Houston decides to rebuild and isn't able to move off that Paul contract and wants to get assets in return for Harden. So he's another guy. I'm not saying that it's particularly likely. That's something I'm predicting, but these are the situations that you monitor around the league and you wait for one of them to right. crumble, and then you swoop in to go get the guy. Yeah. Okay, we have a couple more questions. Uh, next one from Tom at Lil Tom Boo. Who's paying for these damn billboards? Uh, my favorite theory is that it's Magic Johnson, and he's doing it to sabotage the Lake, uh, the Clippers uh, and make them look dumb and lame and desperate. Uh, but realistically, it's probably just some rich Clippers fan or fan group somewhere. I don't know. Was the Dwight billboards paid by by the by fans? Who paid for the Dwight billboards? Does anybody know? Was it the Lakers? It was probably some rich lawyer. Yeah, it, it was. It was a fan. It was a fan. Yeah, those were. Uh, there's a a a law, like a a lawyer who's a who's a Lakers fan. Um, who he has like some bad some bad local commercials. I think you know I I know of one uh, of one doctor who's a big time Clippers fan who I think might. Uh, might be doing it 
I don't know if you, his name's Dr. Shap. <laughs> I'm a resident, bro. It's, I know, I can't, I'm not in <laughs> I would not be able to afford that. I live in Iowa. I know I say money here, but yeah, if, if I could, I would not, I would not do my king of, king of SoCal. Woof. But anyways. Um, Toronto is in Canada. Okay. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Next question from Matthew Morale. Um, top one year guys, if we miss out on Kawhi and KD, um, I am all aboard the train of just collecting guys who should have been in Lob City but weren't. So, like, give me Rudy Gay on a one year deal. Like, you know, have him next to Gallo. Uh, he's really more of a four now, too. Um, but, you know, why not? I think realistically, if you're going to go with one or two year guys, you should probably just go for younger dudes to take a chance on and see if any of them pop. Um, I know Lucas mentioned to me, actually, that the Pelicans declined Stanley Johnson's qualifying offer. Uh, He has been really bad in the NBA so far, but he's like a big, athletic, strong wing. You know, maybe take a shot on him. I wouldn't say he's a top guy, uh, but, you know, sure. Like maybe for a third guard off the bench, you know, if Beverly moves on, maybe you get Tomas Sadaransky as kind of, you know, a combo guard slash wing type who could do a lot of stuff for you back up two or three positions. Sadoransky is like the second best wizard though right now. Yeah, but I mean, who knows Who knows what the wizards do? I, I don't even know. Um, just please no more other wizards. Like if the Clippers do sign Bobby Portis, like I'd be very angry. He's not good. Uh, yeah, I, I really don't have many guys. I think I'm creating a list of under the radar guys for, um, for a Friday post, but that's more in the situation that they do get Kawhi. And these are cheap guys who could fill out like the various holes on the roster that would be left by like Beverly and green and whatnot. Um, but I'll throw in a couple like younger guys who are kind of interesting to um, like just randomly, like the, the Knicks also declined the qualifying offer on Luke Cornet, who's this young center. He can kind of shoot and can kind of protect the rim. He's probably not any good, but like, why not take a chance on him? You know? Um, but yeah. Yeah. Lucas. Yeah. I also think, I think that that's a situation where then the team looks really heavily into bringing back Patrick Beverly and Jermichael Green. I don't think they want to go for a third year on either of those guys, but I could see if you, I mean, if, if the Clippers have all that money to burn anyway, um, and you know, maybe partially it depends on if Kawhi, you know, assuming they don't get Kawhi, Kawhi's in Toronto. Does he take the one year deal in Toronto? At which point you want to leave flexibility open for next summer. Or does he sign a long-term deal in Toronto, at which point you're, you know, you're moving on with your life? Um, I would say that, you know, yes, they, they probably try to go after some younger guys, like Rob said. They definitely would go after some kind of stopgap small forward. You know, whether, it could be Rudy Gay on a one-year deal. It could be like a Trevor Ariza on a one-year deal, however that shakes out. Um, I think you, you also try to keep a guy like Patrick Beverly because Patrick Beverly is a guy who you can trade for something either next step, like if you give Beverly a two-year deal, he's going to have positive value in February. He's going to have positive value next June and July. He's going to have positive value the February after that. So you re-sign him. You let him get his money here instead. He keeps, you know, you keep winning some more games. The Clippers stay competitive. The culture stays strong. And you move him for for positive value when the time is right um, versus letting him walk for nothing. So, um, yeah, but I don't think they make, I don't think they do anything too big if they totally strike out just because all the guys at that tier are going to be able to get the big money and multiple years. 
Yeah, honestly, I can't think of many small forwards that really pop outside of obviously, you know, Kevin Durant. Um, that really pop as like obvious options. Rudy Gay <laughs> would be would be uh, would be fun. I I really off the top of my head. I don't know. I mean, I know Dwayne Dedman would be a fun addition. I, I would imagine he would want a longer contract than what we would give him. But if we could get him for cheap for, for a couple of years, that would be a nice guy to get. Not for cheap, but for like just to fill that cap space. I think Nerlens Noel is a free agent. I've, I've always kind of been partial to him. I, I don't know if he's ever going to have a higher ceiling than maybe what he had in Oklahoma City. But I think he's an interesting option. Um, aside uh- from that, Go ahead, go ahead, Rob. I will say if if the Clippers don't get Kawhi, uh, I do think Zubats will be back. So I'm not sure if they're really going to be in the market for centers. Right, um, right, right. So you know maybe. Well, what about what maybe, about a big a big one year for Demarcus Cousins? Uh, <laughs> I would not enjoy that, but I can understand it. Like I can understand why yeah, they would do it. I don't know. I would not enjoy watching him play on the Clippers, but. I could see it. Yeah. Ugh. It's tough, honestly. It's it, it's not uh, – I'm not very into the idea of what we would do aside from just running it back for the most part if we don't land Kawhi. For the most part, I would just kind of want to run it back and have a few role players. It's 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 tough to really to say what – I would. I don't want Marcus Cousins on this team. He's like the anti-Clipper. But it, it would make sense from uh, – from a from a financial perspective and you know he could be i don't know <laughs> i just don't think he's going to be very good anymore yeah. yeah um okay last question from ducks 47 what do you guys think about this free agent scenario as a plan for free agency meetings sign kd this summer to a max uh give Kawhi our blessing to run it back for one year with toronto with the intent to sign him next summer to the max oh. um uh, it's just a lot of moving pieces. Yeah. Um, I could, you know, it could happen, but um, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. Um, I would not bet on KD being a Clipper. I, I don't think it's going to happen. It seems likely either stays in the Bay or goes to one of the New York teams right now. It's looking more like Brooklyn. Um, but, you know, if they can somehow pull off KD and Kawhi, <laughs> obviously you do it. Uh even with a torn Achilles for KD, in fact, he'll be heading into his mid thirties. Like you still do that, but um, I, I don't think that will happen. Yeah. <laughs> Lucas. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think I could see a scenario where Kawhi decides to stay in Toronto. Durant takes his meetings with the teams he's going to meet with. Durant chooses the Clippers, um, the Clippers, you know, if Durant chooses the Clippers and you know he's going to miss all of this year, then you would presumably try to stay flexible. Uh, unless you can add a big star this summer, you would try to stay flexible because you're not really in the KD window until one year after, right? Um, and then maybe Kawhi signs a one-year deal in Toronto and you can pitch him on coming back and blah, blah, blah. You know, Sure, it's hypothetically possible. It is definitely not something that you walk into a meeting with Kawhi Leonard with this being your plan. Uh, yeah. Like with a guy of Kawhi's talent, like the goal has to be 100% has to be getting him to sign a contract as soon as possible. Like get that, get, get him in your hand basically. Right. Like 
get get that control because you never know when you're gonna have a chance to do it again. Um, now, if he leaves, that could be something that they fall back on, especially if they are able to convince Durant to come and they sort of, you know, half run it back for a year while they're waiting for him. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't see this as being something like that's way too convoluted to possibly be like a secret backdoor handshake kind of plan. Yeah, I mean, we're concerned about the Raptors, you know, him leaving the Raptors now if they won a title. If they repeat, good luck. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I that's just a very convoluted way of saying things. I, I get it. I get the idea of it. But, yeah, if we can get Durant, that'd be great. Even if we get Durant and we don't get Kawhi, that'd be, that would, I wouldn't even mind that. And I know people are skeptical of his Achilles, but that dude is still a baller. So... I'd be happy even if we just got Durant and he lost out on Cole and say he stayed in Toronto and we get to watch this fun Clipper squad again, knowing that Kevin Durant would be on the team the following year. Um, are you guys all aboard with that too? I would imagine you are, right? What about just you can get Kevin Durant? You get Kevin Durant, right? I mean, there's not even a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. No, I mean he's like one of the 15 best NBA players of all time. Right. He did just suffer ter- torn Achilles. Um, his defense, I'm not sure, might ever be the same, but like he's so good offensively, and his offensive game relies so little on athleticism that I, you know, he should be. Maybe he's not worth the absolute max, but he's probably still a very, very good player for the life of that deal. Um, like, yeah, and and if you have the chance to like get a fully healthy Kevin Durant back, like you do it, because yeah. right, <laughs> um, he's good. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would even say even if. Even if Kawhi came, I would take Durant, knowing he's going to be out for a year, yeah. over any other way that you could spend the rest of the money. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, like, yeah, I, I, I think that it's – I think most likely Kawhi wouldn't sign on to that, understandably, because that's basically punting a year of his prime. Um, but if, from the Clippers' perspective, that would be the best-case scenario. Um, because you're still very good next year, and then you're amazing after that. Um, but I think, assuming you have to choose between the two, I would rather have Kawhi. But I mean, Durant, Kevin Durant, it's like it would. It's not even fair to call it a consolation prize. Like you're getting those are the two best players. That's the, the best, the, the best possible scenario. Let's not even close. Absolutely, that would be yeah. an amazing team. Wow. Anyways, uh, yeah, I think are we have any more questions, Rob. Nope, that's it. Yeah, this, this episode was pretty long, <laughs> but uh, I think that'll do it for this episode of the Law of the Jam, the podcast. Anything else, Lucas, you want to mention? No, I guess we'll, um, we'll probably talk at some point in the early days of free agency to yeah. get up to speed with what has or has not happened and you know any rumors that we have. Um, and of course, we have discussed if the Clippers land Kawhi, and I'll go heavy on the if, um, you know, for Shaps, if it happens um i think there will be some significant drinking oh yeah on the next pod i'm already a little tipsy <laughs> right now but if, if they if they lack Kawhi leonard um we'll we'll be drunk for the next pod and that's that's fine not drunk but they'll no, be, be drunk i'll be drunk <laughs> we maybe maybe we can do like a like a google hangout or something where we can record video too and we can like yeah. That'd be take, fun. take shots. People can watch live and type in questions. We do a whole thing. 
I'll wear I'll wear my Shea Gilgis Alexander jersey and not just won't flip it around since number two will be Leonard's number. But uh, it'll essentially be a cool. I'll, I'll wear my Boban and Milos Serbian Heritage Night shirt. Beast. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll definitely be uh, not very sober for that episode, and Clipper fans all around the world won't be very sober for the, for listening to that episode. So we can all join together. Until then, let's not talk about Kawhi Leonard. Let's not think he's going to be a Clipper because that's just how I am. But if you want to think he's a Clipper, that's fine. We can listen to us next time on the Law of the Jam, the podcast, with maybe the information that he has made his decision, or maybe not. We'll see. He might take his time. But until then, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, give us Subscribe and give us some nice reviews on whatever you listen to us to. And for Lucas, for Rob, uh, go Clippers!